Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The book of Isaiah, chapter 6. You may recognize that from this morning's Sunday School lesson. This section of scripture was also the theme for our association meeting that we held at Racine uh, two or three weeks ago, and uh, I had the responsibility of delivering the afternoon devotional, and the more I looked at what I had done with the devotional, I thought that I just can't let this passage of scripture go without preaching a full-fledged sermon from it. So I want to do that this evening. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6, but I'm only going to read verses 9 and 10. And that's a portion that was not a part of the Sunday school lesson this morning. I'm going to read from a different translation you have, but it's very, very close to the same, and you will well recognize it. Uh, Let me read uh, verse 8 as well. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people. And here's a little change in what you'll find in your King James, but notice it. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive. We're going to stop there. And I'm sure that if you look at that the way that I have looked at it over the years, that is a very, very difficult passage of Scripture. And I read it out of the uh, New American Standard to, to get the wording so that we can understand what the words actually are. Listen to it. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. And render the hearts of this people insensitive. If there is anything that we're supposed to do, as far as the church and as far as my preaching is concerned, it would seem that we ought to be encouraging people to listen and perceive. To see and understand. And to have hearts rendered sensitive, not insensitive. But he says the very opposite. That has bothered me. For a long time it's bothered me. Going back to the first verse of this passage of scripture, we find that Isaiah says in a certain time that he saw the Lord. As the King James says, high and lifted up. He saw in his mind, in a vision, the very throne of God. Which tells me that this man Isaiah, and Fred put this very well in the Sunday school class this morning that he taught, tells me that Isaiah was definitely in the spirit. That he was in tune with God. He was listening. Most of us probably would not find ourselves that well tuned in 
to what God has to say. And in this frame of mind, in this attitude, he hears God speak, and God asks the question, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I almost see those words bouncing off the page at me as if God is throwing out a challenge to see who will respond. Who is there out there that would be willing to follow the Lord's leading? Who is there in this congregation who, if they were in proper frame of mind and heart, and maybe many of you are, would be able to hear the Lord speak to you through the music that we just had, through the choir, through the praying, through something, you're in tune. You're on the right wavelength. And you know God's saying something. I hope that there are several people like that tonight. And he spoke to you specifically. And he gave you a statement or asked you a question or brought something clearly to your mind that, that is your purpose and your goal, your objective as a Christian. And I sincerely believe that every Christian has an objective. God has laid out his plan that he wants you and me to fulfill. Mine is in preaching. Some of you, it's in your music. Some of you in teaching or whatever else it might be. And some of you, it may simply be to be that influential person in prayer. And there are some of you called to pray. God has thrown out this challenge. Who's going to go for us? Well, as, again, if I may, Fred, re, uh, go back to your Sunday school lesson this morning, uh, the Lord hasn't said what the job is yet, and here we have Isaiah ready to go. It reminds me when I played football. Coach, I always sat on the edge of the bench ready to go into the game, hoping that the coach would call me. Because I was one of those substitute guys that didn't get in too often. It didn't make any difference. If he said my name, I was on my feet. I was out on the field, only to discover he hadn't told me what I was supposed to do yet. So I'd have to come back and find out what, what he sent me in for. What position did he want me to play? The only one I knew he didn't want me to play was quarterback. What was I to do? I'm saying this to you in that sometimes in our enthusiasm we forget to find out what the job is. And we go off to do something without knowing really what what the Lord wants us to do. It's good to have that enthusiasm, but it's important to have the message that we are to deliver before we start speaking. I have never followed, never agreed to the type of preaching that I have heard some preachers use. And I shall never forget, as a young preacher, uh, an old preacher said that he never knew what he was going to preach until Sunday morning when he got in the pulpit. But I don't believe that's God's leading whatever. 
Because the Lord told us to study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And I would suspect that that man improperly divided the word of truth when he was going on his, uh, his own into the pulpit. He had not spent his time in preparation with the Lord for that time. We need to be sure that we're prepared to do what we, what we say we're about to do. Now there's more to being a Christian than just being saved. And let me say that to you who are young Christians. Sometimes we overemphasize getting saved. And underemphasize the fact that once we have accepted Christ as Savior, then He must become our Lord if we're going to be complete. We've got to follow His leadership. And that means studying and understanding what He's got to say to us and what the, what the message really is what uh, we are to do or not to do. Sometimes we get in over our head. There was a story in the New Testament about the mother of Zebedee's children. You remember her and her children who came to the Lord on one occasion and said, Lord, I've got a special request. She said, I'd like for you, when you come into your kingdom, to make one of my boys chief on the right, left, and one on the right. Secretary of State and Secretary of the Treasury, I would like for them to have special positions in your kingdom. Matthew chapter 20. Jesus turned to this mother and said to her, you don't know what you're asking for. And then he turned to the boys and he said, Are you able to drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I shall be baptized with? And apparently without hesitation they said, Yes, we're prepared, we're capable, we're willing. Jesus said, indeed you shall. They did not know what they said. It's easy to be a Christian when things are nice and smooth. It's not so difficult when we get down in the trenches and find ourselves in, in, with problems, not knowing which way to turn. When the, when the going gets rough, that's when people began to fade away. That's when preachers change pulpits. That's when Sunday school teachers decide it's no longer their responsibility to teach. That's when deacons find that it's more important and easier to do other things. That's when the congregation finds it's no longer necessary to be in church when the doors are open. Not because there are more important things to do, but things have gotten tough. We have said we'll follow you, Lord, to the end of the earth. As such a man said to Jesus on one occasion, but first, let me go home and say goodbye to those at home. First, let me bury my father. Jesus wasn't being insensitive to his father's death. His father wasn't dead yet. What the man was saying, wait till my dad dies and I buried him, then I'll come and follow. 
And I had a lady say that to me one time. I'd love to come to your church, but I don't want to, to uh, hurt my father. And he wouldn't like it if I came there. Wait till he dies, and then I'll come. Yes, it's easy to come forth and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Send me! Then when he tells us what he wants us to do, we begin to get cold feet. I think how little we comprehend our task. I think sometimes that we really strike out without counting the cost, without considering what it really is going to mean to be a Christian. So, God gives Isaiah a tremendous commission. He says, you go tell the people. Now comes the, the hard part of this scripture that's so difficult to comprehend. I hope you'll listen, because I think I understand what he's saying. You go tell the people. You go preach. But your preaching is going to make them worse off than if they had never heard. Now listen to this. The knowledge of the will of God without a positive response to that will puts a person in a terrible position. Now let me state it over. To know God's will and refuse to obey it puts one in a difficult position. As a matter of fact, the Lord gave us a passage of scripture on that in Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. He says this, That servant which knoweth his Lord's will and prepares not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes, for of whom much is given, of him shall much be required. Listen, let me, let me translate that. If you and I know the will of God, but refuse to obey it, it would have been better for us had we never known his will. It would have been better. A person that has much that God has given of that person, God is going to expect more than of the person that has been given little. I tell you, if you have a dollar in your pocket, and I have ten dollars, I am ten times more responsible than you, financially, to God. But listen, the same line of responsibility comes to those of us who know the will of God, who have read it and studied it for years, and come to a point that we say we're not going to go, we're not going to listen. It would have been better had we never heard the word of God than to have heard the word of God and rejected it. Now this becomes a real problem to me in preaching. Bill and I went to a pastor's meeting as we do once a month last Friday night. And this was some of our discussion was the concerns of what responsibility lies upon us as preachers to the congregation to whom we preach. 
And there are certainly some responsibilities. I can tell you that it concerns me greatly that on nearly every Sunday morning, and I think maybe every Sunday morning, and many Sunday nights, many Sunday nights, there are lost people in our congregation. I'm glad they're here. I am pleased with the privilege to present them the gospel. But this is the thing that really concerns me about their continual presence. And that is they listen just like God said to Isaiah. Tell the people to keep on listening, but they are not going to respond. Tell them to keep on seeing, but they're not going to understand. What's he saying? They're going to hear the gospel presented so many times and say no, 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 over and over and over until it becomes automatic. The response is no. To turn them around and get them to respond positively to the appeal of the gospel, to the invitation, becomes extremely difficult and more difficult Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. It is a bother and a concern to me that I see men and women in this congregation on Sunday morning and nights that will stand with the entire congregation and sing, why not come to Jesus now and amazing grace who don't know anything about the grace of God because they've said no so many times they don't realize they're saying no any longer. It's as if they were a part of the congregation and the message for somebody else somewhere. It certainly is not for that individual. They listen. They see. But their hearts are insensitive to the gospel. I said this in the devotion that I use over at Racine at our association meeting. I appreciate, let me preface it by these statements, I appreciate the good comments so many, many, many of you make. Don't stop making comments and telling me you enjoyed the sermon. It helps me a lot. It encourages me. It really does. For somebody to, to sincerely now, I don't mean a flippant, just haphazard Georgia sermon type thing, but if you really got a blessing out of it, it's an encouragement to me for you to tell me that. But the thing that concerns me are people who are lost and say to me, I enjoyed your sermon. I don't want them to enjoy the sermon. I want them to be disturbed by the sermon to the point that they could not say I enjoyed it. But being a good preacher... I say to them, as I say to all of you, thank you, I appreciate it, and, and all the things that I might respond, when I really want to say, if that really was a good sermon, my friend, why didn't you walk the aisle this morning? Why? Because they're listening and seeing and not perceiving with their heart. Well, then the obvious question comes, why on earth preach? Why do we come here Sunday after Sunday and extend invitation? Why do we want to see people baptized? Not because it's a nice show, 
I could go the rest of my life and never see a person put under the water as far as show is concerned. But it's simply an external expression of what's taking place in the heart. And I'll tell you why we want to see them do it. Is the thing I said last Sunday night, we've got a little bit of God inside of us and it's got to come out. And the scripture says that when a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ, the angels in heaven shout with joy. And we're a part of that fellowship of people who enjoy seeing others saved because we now know that they've got something that we have and we can now share it. So why preach? I want to say three reasons as to why we've got to continue preaching. Number one, preaching preserves the character of God. That is, preaching continues to point out that God is righteous and God is merciful. And this kind of preaching ought to bring people to salvation. For the scripture is not willing that any should perish, but the the scripture says God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. We've got to preach. We can't stop preaching. It's in our blood. I'm not talking about me behind the pulpit. I'm talking about you in the pew. We together preach. We're proclaiming the gospel. And why? Because we want this world to know that the character of God is, a, is one that is merciful who is not willing that anybody should perish, who will reach out and save anyone, anyone, anywhere, who will say, I will. Secondly, I think we need to keep on preaching because when it comes to the day of judgment, there will be no excuse that anybody can use and say, I was never told. That's one of the things that's going to happen on the day of judgment. People are going to use the excuse, well, I didn't know. All school teachers get this excuse. I know I used to be one, and I got them, and I used to be a student, and I used it. I, I didn't know that was the lesson. I didn't hear you say that. That's what my kids used to tell me. I didn't hear you tell me to go do that. Listen. On the day of judgment, there are many people who will be given many excuses. And one of the excuses is, Lord, I didn't know. And the Lord is going to say, you mean to tell me you were never in the Olive Branch Baptist Church? Yes, I used to attend there. The gospel was preached there. Sunday after Sunday, the invitation was given. There is no excuse. Thirdly, I think we need to continue preaching because there will be some who will be saved. Small remnant, small number. The scripture tells us that there's a broad road that leads to hell. And you know why it's broad? Because it takes a wide road to get that number of people into hell. It's a narrow road that leads to heaven. And why is it narrow? Because it's not very necessary to be wide. There aren't too many people who are going there because they're not listening to the gospel being preached. We've had many people, let me say it another way, we've had a few people saved as a result of the 
testimony of this congregation over the past couple of years. The numbers are great when you start comparing them to other churches. 1987, we were the third largest uh, church with the third largest number of baptisms in the whole state of West Virginia amongst Baptist churches. Only two churches had more baptisms than we did in 87. That was the North Barkersburg Baptist Church, which is a large church and growing, tremendously growing. The other was the Moundsville Church, also a growing church. We've had a number of baptisms this year, but those numbers are small in comparison to the lost that are out here in the community. God said, go tell the people. And that's what we've got to do. Keep on listening. Keep on looking. And understand with your hearts. Is there a person here this evening that's failed to listen to the gospel? Said no, no, no so many times that you no longer say it. It's just automatic. A rejection. The day is going to come when one stands before the judgment throne of God give an account of himself before God and one of the excuses you will give is I never knew and you and the Lord God will remind you of the second Sunday night of October 1988 when the gospel was preached will you say no tonight it makes no difference whether you're a member of the church or not it makes no difference whether you've been baptized but it does make a difference whether you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. Sean's going to come up here in a little bit, and I'm going to give him his baptismal certificate. And don't you dare let me forget this, which I have been guilty of doing in the past. We baptized Sean, as well as two other young people last Sunday night. First time I ever baptized uh, anybody right immediately after a decision. It just has never seemed to have worked that way. Sean, this piece of paper doesn't say anything much except that it says that you were baptized. The thing that is important in your life and in the life of all of us is that we were immersed in the Spirit of God. Amen. We trust that everybody in this congregation has been immersed in the Spirit of God. But if you have not, tonight's the night to get immersed. Amen. Are you ready to say yes to the Lord Jesus? When the invitation is given, all you've got to do is say yes in your heart, and your stepping out and coming down the aisle is nothing more than making a physical response that this congregation can see. The Lord said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You're not ashamed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Not ashamed to make a decision. Not ashamed to become a part of this church. We invite you to step forward as we sing our invitation hymn. And at the end of the, end of the uh, on the last verse, Sean, I want you to come forward because I want to give you a baptismal certificate and we want to welcome you into the church. But right now, as we begin our invitation hymn, the question is, have you listened? Have you seen? And has your heart been rendered? Oh God, will you come as we sing?
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.